Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it. We keep it reels. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to a Mama Bear Apologetics, sort of a special edition. And what we've wanted to do is to help you guys get to know some of the contributors to the book. And who I have with me today from a very first one is TZ Cannon. TZ Cannon. Yay, say hi. Hi there. <laughs> she wrote an amazing chapter on self-helpism. And if, if you're like me, that was super insightful because I've known about it. I've been aware about it, but I didn't have a lot of the background information on it. And it's so funny once you start reading that chapter, how much of it you see not only within books and TV shows, but within culture as well. But before we get to that, I wanted to let TC sort of introduce herself. So TC, why don't you tell us a little bit about your family, what you do, where you're from, just give us a little bit of, of you. Okay, great. Well, first, thank you so much for for having me on. It's so great to meet you. We've never actually seen each other. No, we haven't. So this is wonderful. Um, It's a great opportunity to just um, get to know you guys. And I I love this whole, the book was such a just great experience for me. But um, so I live in uh, middle Tennessee, kind of south of Nashville. I am married. I have three children. My daughter's actually 25 and she's married now. So she's Aww. out of the house. Um, she's amazing. And then I've got two boys. My son, Ben, is 20 and Sam is 18. Um, and the boys are here with me now. Of course, we're all together with the yeah. virus stuff, but they also are, are here uh, going to school, working full time. Um, yeah. So that's kind of just a little bit about my world. And we would um, we actually stopped in. Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, on my on my way to Virginia, and it was gorgeous. I don't. Are you close by that area? That's about three and a half hours from us. Mm. Um, maybe even a little longer. Probably. I'm I'm really challenged with distances, <laughs> things like that. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's a good four hours probably. But it is gorgeous. We've been there several times in Gatlinburg. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's so pretty. And the trees there, Texas isn't really known for trees and especially yeah. not known for hills or anything. So when we passed through Tennessee, I was trying to convince my husband that we should just move. We're like, let's just stay. Let's not go back. It's gorgeous here. Yeah. So, well, speaking of, of families and how you've been working uh, within apologetics, how did you, how did you get into that? Did you, was that yeah, something well, you took a class on or? <laughs> Well, really, um, Elisa Childers, who's also another contributor to this book and has mm-hmm. obviously a great apologetics ministry. We we used to go to the same church and she was teaching a women's Bible study and her topic was she was introducing apologetics. And I was just. I was in uh, the first yes. night I heard her talk about us thinking. I need this. I love this. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a history. Uh, I worked in education. So I taught middle school language arts and math. And then um, 
And I've just, I love learning. I wish my dream job would be continual education. Like if I could get yes. paid to keep getting degrees, I would do that. That would be my I'm dream so job. with you, yes. <laughs> so when I heard her, I had never really been introduced at all, even after following Christ for, mm-hmm. golly, over 25 years or so. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had not ever been introduced uh, to the study of apologetics. And mm-hmm. I just loved it and couldn't get enough. So from then on, I just started whatever book she recommended, I would read it. And, um, you know, just, we would get together and just talk and, um, it just was so inspiring. So that's, yeah. that is how I got interested in it. And from then on, I, I, I audited a few, um, classes at Southern Evangelical Seminary and mm-hmm. I'm mostly just a lay level apologist. I, mm-hmm. I don't have a specific degree in apologetics, but I have an addiction to reading everything I can (laughs) and podcasts and things. So, Oh man, that is started. That's awesome. I have such a similar story too, is I had never been introduced to apologetics at all. And so becoming, when I became a Christian at 18 18, and then studying on, you know, it's just sort of something like, Oh, you'll have these questions and you know, you just sort of carry them around with you and keep the faith. And then, yeah, once you get that first taste of apologetics, it's like, cool water on a hot day you just want more it's and that's so exciting that you got to hang out with um elisa and actually get to chat back and forth that must have been such a huge encouragement yeah um we live near each other so i have the blessing of being able to pick her brain a lot and we walk together and we just oh my gosh that's so so inspiring to have a friend that you can Mm -hmm. really grapple with some of those hard questions and she's just been a continual encouragement to me so I'm, I, I consider her a, a, a true gift from God in my life. Uh, <laughs> as as, yeah. yeah, that is that man. That is such a huge blessing to, to have somebody so close by. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So with that being said, how has that sort of affected your, your faith, your life? And even how has that affected your parenting? Because when did, let's see, when did you start getting into apologetics? Did, were you expo- um, introduced to it like within the last couple of years or? Yeah, I think it was, I would say probably more like five years ago, um, but late in my parenting. So Mm. the way it's really affected me is, I mean, it has just bolstered my faith, like unquestionably. Uh, I um, have had a real passionate faith built on my personal experiences with Mm. the Lord and all, you know, just that testimony already coming into this. Yeah. what, what it has done for me is then give me these, these wonderful sound reasons mm-hmm. for what I believe, because I, you know, I, there are times in, in life where you're struggling or your heart is just broken and, and we're all vulnerable during those times yeah. for um, doubt to creep in. And I mean, I would just sit and think, are we all fools? Like we're all raising our hands. Sure. Are we just a bunch of dummies? You know, I'm yeah. just following after. And I thought, you know, even if we are, I'm in because I, before Christ in my life, I tasted what the world had to offer mm-hmm. in every imaginable way. And, mm-hmm. and even if it was just down to the decision of, there's nothing better. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was in, but just having the the evidence to bolster that has been, it has strengthened my, my worship. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there is nothing like singing about the heavens, declaring God's praise, you know, praising God and talking about the heavens 
and then in adding to that the cosmological argument yes. and some of the things I've studied about fine tuning and mm-hmm. you know, I'm not an expert in all of that and the sciences and all of that but I know enough now from my lay level studies that yeah. just, when I'm seeing that I'm like yes they the heavens do declare these things and yeah it has just um, made my worship time even all the deeper, but we've been through some really trying times, some really painful things in my family in the last several years. Mm. That study of apologetics also got me more interested in studying um, philosophy and theology Mm -hmm. in a a more strategic, intentional way than I ever had, which of course has been beneficial when I'm going through you know, when you're listening to false doctrines or different things like that. But to sum that all up, I guess there's, I kind of just envision my head and my heart if they were outside of me and cartoon characters. Yeah. Which is weird. <laughs> this is just how my brain works. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's Please great. don't make a theological point out of this. <laughs> my head and my heart were animated, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like my study of apologetics has just helped them to, to link hands yeah. and you know, loving God with my mind mm-hmm. where when my heart has been crushed yeah. and I, I've been experiencing a lot of emotional pain, my mm-hmm. head comes in and reminds my heart, Hey, it's okay. You know, remember these, these arguments for the existence yeah. of God and remember this test of reliability of the new Testament and all that. And then when my head just gets overwhelmed with digging into the minutia of some debated doctrine and I mm-hmm. feel dumb or overwhelmed, my heart comes in and reminds yeah. me of the beautiful relationship I have with my savior. And it's like, they are just walking each other home my yeah. head in my heart. And that's what I love about um, just learning to love Jesus with my mind. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that because yeah, it is. And so often within the church, you know, and even within uh, academia, you know, they almost say that they're supposed to be two separate things. They're two separate spheres, but yet together they work in beautiful harmony, especially when one is weak, the other comes in strong. And uh, I love your mention of of worship too, because I'm not, I'm, um, I'm more when I go to, to church and I'm sure people will probably be offended by this, but I like when we get to the sermon, like the songs are great and everything. I like the songs, but like when we hit like song four, I'm like, okay, can we get to the sermon now? But there's yeah. one song that with apologetics just really hits home and I, I'm blanking on the title, but it's, I believe in God, the father, I believe in Christ, the son, I believe in the Holy spirit. My God is three in one. And it's this great sort of doctrinal song, but it's, it's got apologetics in there. And just that's, that's where I worship. So yeah, it's, it's great when you mention that because I, I totally get that. So I've got to ask about the chapter. So you came in for, for self-helpism and as we were talking a little bit before, we started the recording. And that's one thing that uh, I think really, at least I noticed as a kid, really started to pick up through the 90s and late 2000s is especially with Oprah. And that's why I remember walking into the living room and my mom was watching Oprah and there was the author of the book, Eat, Pray, Love. And there was a woman in the audience that really struck me because she had her book and it was it was marked up. There were post-it notes everywhere. I mean, the title or the cover was just wrinkled and battered. You could tell this book was just well-worn. And this gal was saying, well, this is my Bible. And I remember not even quite being a, a, a believer at the time thinking, that's probably not a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, and especially with Oprah and a lot of the, the um, talk show hosts back then is there is a lot of this sort of self-help belief that the answer is sort of inside you. So um, how have you seen this within uh, maybe within culture or within certain shows and that sort? How have you seen self-helpism kind of creep into culture? 
Yeah, well, I mean, there's a I, I see it kind of glimpses of it everywhere here and there, little little bits of it. And it's really kind of links with worldview, really. You know, yeah. we all know something's wrong. And it's like, what's wrong with the world? What's the remedy? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with self-helpism, that just kind of comes to me. It's like it, it boils it down instead of just the world. It's like my view of me, like we all know something's wrong. We feel mm-hmm. like something's wrong with us. And it's just that an incorrect assessment of what is broken and an incorrect assessment of how to fix it and the source of fixing it. Yeah. And so anytime I see that, like on Facebook, you know, I'll see, you know, blogs, books, um, girl, wash your face, you know, anything like that, you know, it's all talking about you becoming the best you or you living Mm -hmm. your truth. And what I'm seeing is that it's just that belief that, you know, the problem is that we don't have what we deserve to have just innately, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. just because I'm TC, I deserve all these things. Yeah. The way I'm going to get it is to dive deeper into me and, and, and find the real me or, or, and, you know, and obviously I wrote, the chapter on it, there's way more detail, but to me, it just feels so sad because when you have the wrong diagnosis of the problem, you're going to be searching for the answers in all the wrong places. And then, and then when you think you are, you're the solution to your own problem, mm-hmm. it just is illogical. Yeah. And, and I always say like, I, I just, I don't want to live my true. I don't want to mm-hmm. be the best TC. I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. Yeah. Um, that brings freedom and hope to me. Uh, being the best TC, golly, I don't even know who she is. Like, what yeah. would she be? But I know my truth and contains a lot of lies, you know, because mm-hmm. I, you know, that negative self-talk and I'd rather shoot for, um, for, for God's truth. Yeah. It seems sure. like you, that that's kind of the, one of the huge issues is you in the pursuit of you, you can miss who God actually intends you to be. Cause we, our idea of who we may be and what we want to achieve and accomplish may be completely different from what God has intended for us to do. Right. Yeah. He's the one who knows what really leads to human flourishing mm-hmm. it's his design and submitting to that is where the hope, the hope really is. You know, and self-helpism, I see it kind of linking with some false doctrines, just even linking arms with mysticism and, um, you know, prosperity gospel. Yes. Name it and claim it and speak mm-hmm. your best life and just the power of positivity. And and yeah. it's just giving power to, to vain, you know, human philosophies. So I do see it and it's sad, but. Yeah, I do believe that they do get it right when ex- assessing that there's a problem with us and that yeah. we're not living the life we're meant to live. Yeah. But finding it outside of scripture is is going to be a dead end. Yeah, it seems like it gets so close. It acknowledges that there's a problem and that there needs to be a fix. But then, yeah, like you said, the the solution is off. Yeah. So you had mentioned before that you have a background in pastoral counseling. And so I'm curious, have you seen self-helpism creep into the church at all? Yes, um, I have. I don't know that I could just like give a list of specific examples right off the top of my head, but I, I see it kind of linking with that, you know, just the moralistic uh, therapeutic deism, um, mm. really just kind of seeing God as your divine therapist. I see it creeping in in the way people and, you know, the hermeneutic, the way they decide to interpret scripture at, with, you know, putting, putting ourselves as the star, the hero, looking into the word just to find some type of like 
direction, like Jesus yeah. is my life coach, oh, um, wow. you know, yeah. kind of thing, instead of looking into scripture to study, to find out who Jesus is and to, and to learn the character and the ways and the plans of God. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, not understanding, I guess, I don't want to say no one understands this blanket statements aren't always good, but <laughs> we understand that, you know, as, as that we, as human beings are God reflectors, we're God glorifiers. Mm-hmm. We're really going to be our best being when we're reflecting, we, when we've got to look at the, the one we were created to reflect, you can't mm-hmm. reflect an image without facing it. And that's what I believe when we go into scripture, that's what we're doing is we're, we're meant to kind of really face, find out who that is we're reflecting and bear his image. So I just, you know, when we go to scripture and even the, you know, I see it in like pointing and flipping methods, Oh uh, yeah, you know, like I'm going to point and flip today. What do you have for me? You know, <laughs> that's kind of linked to self-help is like, it's all about me. Like, yeah. This, it's going to be my magical menu book. Yes. So wherever I flip and point is going to be my, my, you know, coaching for the day. Yeah. And it just, obviously the, the result of faulty interpretive skills like that can be quite dangerous. And I've experienced that in my own life, which I don't have time to get into, but yeah. So, yeah. So. Well, with that, what, yeah, no, that's great. And and with that, what sort of encouragements would you offer parents who um, maybe they have little ones or even teenagers, that sort of thing, to uh, sort of recognize self-helpism in the messages around them, help them discern that and point them back toward Christ? What sort of tips do you have for them? Oh, gosh, I, I know that there's a there's a section on that in the chapter there, but I, I think that the tips would be just kind of really starting with encouraging um, an identity in Christ, you know, really mm-hmm. helping them understand that our identity is in Christ and an understanding of, I mean, there's the theological elements of what is broken, mm-hmm. of understanding what we were created to be and, and what went wrong and what mm-hmm. God's redemptive plan is and, yeah. you know, what our hope is, um, but also just beginning to understand that we can't f- fix ourselves like, um, I'm not going to be my own solution. Mm-hmm. Just like a TV can't, I mean, I don't know if this is a great analogy. I'm bad at this sometimes <laughs> on the spur of the moment. Please forgive me. But a TV can't fix itself. Not, mm-hmm. You know, other things don't fix themselves. We've got to go to our creator, the one who yeah. made us. He's going to be the one that's going to be able to help, you know, help us understand. But to understand that we're all broken, it is true. We we, we are broken and our hearts are broken. We need a yeah. new heart. We get a new heart. Mm-hmm. So to be able to have compassion and mercy along the way with mm-hmm. the human condition, but just, you know, leading them to that right, uh, the right solutions, I think. Yeah, you're all. Well, thank you so much, Teezy. So just to give um, some uh, an extra little bit of fun insight into who Teezy is. So what is your favorite book that you have read within the past two years? Like what just knocked your socks oh, off? Oh, my goodness. Um, wow. I would say the story of reality. I think that was in the last two years. Greg Kokel. Hmm. Um, I like it. I mean, I've read so many, it's hard for me to, that's like asking me to boil down what's my favorite ice cream. Cause I love no, it. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, the reason why I like it. Um, and I think it's been within the last few years is just because it boils down God's big meta narrative so well. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to explain that to teenagers or, uh, you know, just, just to help encourage people to, as a good starting point to find ourselves even in God's big, big story. Yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm going to get off here and think of why did I say I've got these other five I love. I remember, it. I I have to say I I am you know I'm in my fifties, which is still young. I know I am finding that my you know my memory sometimes just is you know a deer in the headlights moment. And what that is kind of an encouragement that I'd like to share with with listeners because one thing that. I've learned, and just as this is, you didn't ask me this, but this is, I'm just going to share this. No, I love it. Do it. (laughs) One thing that I I did read that really helped me a lot was um, a book Sean McDowell edited. It was called A New Kind of Apologist. Mm. And there was a chapter in there that really kind of went through and delineated um, different contributors to to the whole study of apologetics. And um, he mentioned content authors, content artists, I'm reading here, content communicators and content propagators. Hmm. And what I think is encouraging for us is to realize that we need all hands on deck and we're not yeah. all going to be the scientists or the, the content creators, the researchers. Mm-hmm. We're not going to all be the ones that are, that are digging through primary sources all the time and really getting to the bottom of it. But that doesn't mean we don't have a role to play or that we can't yeah. contribute or that we don't have a voice that's meaningful. And I've just come to be real comfortable with my role in it mm-hmm. and not feel like I need to compare um, my articulation skills or my recall skills and to just know that I love loving God with my mind and I love propagating. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I feel like I, I do the best is constantly like posting great books I've read or, hey, this mm-hmm. is a blog worth your time or um, and then sometimes I get to contribute. Sometimes yeah. I actually get to contribute and write or write a blog. Um, but I would want to just encourage, you know, moms of any stage to, to not let the enemy rob you uh, with that comparison thing. Yes. In the apologetics world, just be mm-hmm. the voice God's made you to be. And, and even when it's just, when it's not just ministering to our kids, mm-hmm. but if it's in our home or, or publicly, God doesn't, doesn't have a, a level of importance. Like yeah. I don't see that in the Bible that, Oh, if you mm-hmm. have a platform that's big, this is more significant. Mm-hmm. That isn't God's economy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's encouraging to anyone, but it has helped me to just, accept and love any way that I can help encourage a more robust faith in my own children mm-hmm. um, and in the people that I, that I love and come into contact with. No, that's perfect. Cause it, it reminds me so much of the parable of the talents is, you know, one servant was given 10, another was given five and the five wasn't compared to the 10. He was just praised for being faithful. And that's a beautiful encouragement. And I thank you so much, TZ. Yeah. And so folks, I thank hope you. you have enjoyed this interview with TZ Cannon. If you have not picked up Mama Bear Apologetics, I highly encourage you to do so. Get it for a friend, uh, for a neighbor. I've actually, this is my second one. I actually gave it away to someone I sold something to on Facebook just because they had they had said oh we love apologetics we have not a lot of studies so these are great things great tools that you can pass on to others and we hope that you will stay tuned next time for our next interview and we'll see you next time this has been a mama bear apologetics recording to learn more about mama bear apologetics please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, mama bears. We are all in this together.